When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. As we go through my creepy files and listen to real-life strange but true stories from people all over the world, explore the weird and wonderful in my weekly podcast with Deadly Debbie's Creepy Files. The SCP multiverse is under constant assault, and destruction can come at any moment. Therefore, having just one database is a folly the Foundation can no longer accept. Join Dr. Kevin Milgram and SCP-073, Kane, as they create an oral history of the SCP Foundation in Memories of Kane, an SCP story, hosted by Daniel Dremus. For should the Foundation fall, the unkillable first murderer of man will live on. New episodes drop every second Wednesday of the month on the Fearscape Media Network. Visit FearscapeMedia.com for more information. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Happy that you're able to join us as we continue to explore and try to understand the strange phenomenon that seems to exist all over the world. Stefan and I are on a journey, and we share that journey with you. gentlemen to another frightening fantastic phantasmagoric episode of fearscape paranormal podcast i am your host stefan gearhart and i am joined as always by my frightening fantastic and phantasmagoric co-host mr josh relich what's happening big brow <laughs> big brow yeah i don't know man i People are going to think I have a unibrow. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I think I was going to say big bro, but big brow came out. <laughs> no, man, you know, things are good. Uh, work's busy. I'm tired. But other than that, you know, it's all working out. So. Same. Same. I'd rather be out at a haunted house than working every day. These dogs yeah, I, are barking. I would, 
I would rather it not be uh, 21 degrees at night so that I can sit out and stare at the stars. So. Oh, I don't have that issue. Yeah, um, well. Now, Arizona did get what I what, – well, Arizona got snow, but Phoenix got the first snow it's had since 1998. Figures, the first winter I'm here and I moved here because I hate the cold weather and I hate <laughs> snow – it yeah. snows for the first time since 1998. Um, but it only, like, so technically it, it only snowed in, like, a very small portion. But what did happen is this stuff called gropple, and that's, like, in between snow and hail. Um, and so that's really what most of Phoenix, or, well, the parts of Phoenix that did get it was. It was technically, like, gropple. And it, it, it most of that was gone in, like, 20 minutes. By the way, Grapple sounds like it could be a cryptid. Just uh, it, it does. The Grapple monster of right, Albuquerque, or, you know, or Albuquerque yeah. Lord Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was crazy. You people, yeah, they were losing their mind. But it was weird because it would just grapple or snow in patches. Though the mountains uh, around, like the high ones, still have snow on it. Those legit have snow on it. Well, um, so that's cool. really pretty to see. But, like, it would snow in patches. So, like, literally, like... Man, like half a mile from where I was at, it was pouring down raining. Or, I mean, I was pouring down raining where I was at, but a half a mile from there, it was groppling. Um, <laughs> and so, like, I mean, my brother took a picture. The road was covered in grapple or snow or whatever the hell it was and where I was. And then I was like, man, we didn't see any snow. And then I get out of the building. On the other side of the building, I see some snow or grapple around a tree, which meant it did on the other side of the building. Like, it was weird. It was really weird. So, but yeah, I'm done. Now, today, it was 73. So, I'm well, like, yes. Also, I think uh, Grapple could also be like a 1980s casserole. It, uh, it is. It, it also sounds like uh, if the Frankenstein monster had a son, he would name him Grapple. Grapple. <laughs> yeah. Mm, Grapple. Grub, yeah. bring dad. Grub. <laughs> Grapple. <laughs> bring me Grapple. 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 Also, yeah, this sounds like a food that you forage for. <laughs> so, so Sasquatch so, eats grapple. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, so so you have nice weather uh, now, mm-hmm. um, and, and then in the, in in the summer, you know, your tires will melt and stick to the pavement. Yes. So. Yes. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what happens. So, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward because I know it's like full moonish. I don't know if that's tonight or last night or tomorrow night or when because I haven't even looked at my calendar. But I'm excited to go out look at the stars tonight because, like I said, right now. Yeah. Uh, we are when we are recording this. It is six thirty uh, Arizona time, which right now is Mountain Standard Time, and it is seventy three degrees. It's beautiful. I drove home with the windows open and the sunroof open, and uh, it's supposed to get down to like maybe fifty one tonight. So it should be a nice night to sit on my balcony and look at the stars. So. Yeah, um, we got a little bit of snow here, uh, like like three or four inches, and um, last night it was really close to a full moon. And it was so cool to look outside and see the landscape just completely lit up because yeah. of the moon. Um, and then, of course, the, the snow all reflecting the moonlight. It was just really cool to see. Yeah, so. no, the, Arizona's kind of the same way and the opposite because there's not a lot of trees and green, obviously. So all the mountains around here are mostly rock and dirt, but that's a very light dirt and rock and so Mm -hmm. yeah when the moon hits it it just reflects it same thing with the sunset or sunrise it'll hit these mountains and just turn the mountains pink uh, or red or purple or orange like it's it's gorgeous and yeah the moon does the same thing it's really neat it's it's not as neat as 
the snow because there's it just, yeah. that shit hurts your eyes sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so we're not the travel podcast. So let's move on. <laughs> no, yeah, we're not. Um, so, but anyways, we have a really, really cool show. Now that we're actually getting to talking about it, we're going to be talking about our top picks for what we think is essential gear when you're out there UAP hunting or UFO hunting, or you've recently seen a UFO. We want to talk to you about what we've used on our journey to help us document and just figure things out whilst UAP hunting. Uh, but before we get into that, we've got to get to our first segment of the week. Ooh, June Bletcher, I feel you. I feel you, June. We got to do our psychic word of the week. And now, the psychic word. Of the week. All right, psychic word of the week comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from June G. Bletzer, PhD. Rest in peace, honey buns. Uh, and this week I spun the pages to uh, and uh, landed on page 644. We're moving on up. Uh, the word, it's actually a word this time that I landed on was transmutation. Ooh, already I'm like, oh, full metal alchemist. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, so yeah, it says, uh, alchemy says to change the basic structure of physical matter from its vibrational frequency to a higher frequency through an alchemical process of purification by intensified mind energy focused on the object and process. And it has a few uh, extra... Um, uh, definitions here it says one to dematerialize an object by rearranging the atomic structure until it's uh, ethereal until it is ethereal in nature and to rematerialize these atoms into the mundane plane in a higher vibrational frequency so it does not appear as the same object transmutation of baser metals into finer metals two to dematerialize one's own body by rearranging the atomic structure until it is ethereal in nature and to rematerialize one's body into the mundane plane in a higher vibrational frequency keeping its patterns to some degree like for example alchemists can travel in the etheric world while in the ethereal state distance and time span are not barriers then changes back to a body according to the chronological time can function intelligently under the laws of each frequency ability to transmute does away with physical death and allows one to materialize in the place where and when needed. A glorified or purified body is accomplished after the psychic feat. And then it says hmm. uh, you can compare this to ascension. So interesting. I, <clears throat> talking about um, changing parts of your um, material self. So, something that I like I was meditating the other night and um, I like was in like this really deep state of meditation and I had this thought pop into my head that was like hey okay now that you're here you can change aspects of yourself so like if you want to be uh, more adventurous if you want to be more wise but uh, every <clears throat> so like the way that it was phrased for me was is okay but you get one pie and how you divvy up the slices for the parts that make you you um, 
if you give more one place, you have to take it away from somewhere else. And so I started evaluating, like, again, in this meditation of if I gave myself more intelligence, what would I have to take it away from? And at the end of the meditation, before, like, this, the session ended, I decided that I didn't want to change anything about myself. So it was just really <laughs> interesting. But yeah. Should have changed that brow. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, I kind of wish we still had John Tenney on this episode because, you know, he'd know some transmutation stuff, man, being in magic and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that goes to that classic idea of, of changing lead into gold, which is what yeah. most people think of uh, for alchemists. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's but I love this because it talks about, like, dematerializing your body. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounded like it said and into a different body. Yeah, that's that's what. Yeah. So the, the whole thing of it is, is obviously you're changing. So it's not so like somebody might listen to this and think, oh, it's Star Trek and you're, you know, beaming yourself. But it's not it's not dematerializing. Uh, like you said, it's not dematerializing as lead and coming yeah. back as lead. It's coming I mean, back as you can beam yourself different. on your own time. <laughs> I want you beaming yourself on my show, but uh, yeah, but you, you know, <laughs> but you, you know, so they did. They so a few years ago, it's been like twelve or thirteen years ago, in a, in a lab, they were able to beam a single uh, Adam, particle of yeah, of something. I can't something. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, but but what they actually what they actually said is that um, they didn't actually move the particle from one spot to another they made a copy right well the didn't particle. the original though it had to dissipate but the the one that came out was a copy yeah exactly yeah, that's crazy so so when you think about that that means that if we ever have beaming technology it would like basically make a copy of you wherever it is and then the old part of you would just float away into non-existence <laughs> well what i was thinking about was What's interesting about it is because we know as astral travelers, the ethereal plane is essentially the astral plane. And so this is insinuating that you are not taking your astral body or your soul into the ethereal world, but you are essentially taking your physical body with you into the ethereal world and are traveling and then are able to materialize into a different body but it is still essentially your body that has moved so it's your whole physical body that's moving not just your astral which is being you know rubber banded back to you so it makes what's that um, uh, movie with uh, Vin Diesel where like the the necromongers pitch black it's, one of, it's like it's like the second one to that Chronicles of Riddick yeah so in that one, that guy is like been to the underworld and come mm -hmm. back. And you remember he can like, so he moves his etheric self yeah. before his physical self follows. That's almost kind of like what you're talking about mm. there. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. So you have to go to the underworld and come back in order for you to be able to do that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, all right. Thank you, Junji Bletzer for transmutation. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on. <laughs> so <laughs> let's go ahead and get into our cryptid of the week. Hi, y'all. It's a Jersey Devil. Hope y'all are ready to meet some of my friends. Cryptid of the week. 
All right. We are uh, thanking the Jersey Devil, as usual, for introducing us to his friends. However, neither of us have creepy catch-up this week. It has actually been a pretty mundane week. So we're actually going to do two cryptids this week. So I can feel the Jersey. Yay! I love when y'all be more of my friends. It's a party. Yeah, yeah, we got it. We got it. It's a party. Um, but yeah, so we're going to talk about two cryptids this week. So this is the cryptids of the week or yeah. crypt, crypt, cryptid anon, right? Because non is, is multiple. No, no. I don't think it, it, maybe I'm just kidding. Be, that's not how English works. Is it, is it crypti? Crypti, yeah. <laughs> uh, so for the very first cryptid of the week, uh, what I have um, is the cryptid known as Charlie. That's S-H-A-R-L-I-E. This comes from Idaho folklore. Uh, Charlie also has some other names as Slimy Slim uh, and the Twilight Dragon of Payette Lake, which is like super just gorgeous. Yeah. Really. I told you I dated her and took her on a bus ride. Shut up. Man. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, in Idaho folklore, Charlie is the name given to a sea serpent, much like the Loch Ness Monster, that is believed by some to live in the deep alpine waters of Payette Lake near McCall, Idaho. The very first reference to the sea serpent may be the belief of Native Americans predating Western settlement of the area that an evil spirit dwelled in the lake. Uh, the first documented sighting by Western settlers occurred in 1920 when workers cutting ties at the upper end of the lake thought they saw a log in the lake. But then that log began to move. And then in eight, or August 1944, the serpent was reportedly seen by several groups of people who described it as being 30 to 35 feet in length. I've also seen some that said 35 to 40 foot in length. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a big difference. Um, with a dinosaur type head and pronounced jaws, humps like a camel and shell like skin. Uh, and then two years later in September 1946, the serpent was reportedly sighted by a group of 20 people. Dr. G.A. Taylor of Nampa, Idaho said this, it appeared to be between 30 and 40 feet long and seemed to keep diving into the water. It left a wake about like a small motor boat would make. Uh, then in 1954, Boone McCollum, editor of the Star News, held a contest to name the Serpent of Payette Lake. The winning name, Charlie, was submitted by La Isle Hennifer Turry of Springfield, Virginia. In her letter to Mr. McCollum, she said, Why don't you just call the thing Charlie? You know, Vasu der Charlie? This was a reference to a popular catchphrase at the time, often spoken by Jack Pearl during his old time radio show. So Charlie was then reported, cited dozens of times between 1956. And then the last documented sighting was in 2002. Uh, so this is just a reminder why you don't name something off of pop culture, because down the road, no one will know what you are talking yeah, about. Exactly right. I mean, it, the description, though, sounds amazing. Something that the Jersey Devil definitely would have swiped right on, I think. so. I didn't have to swipe right. She was slimy. I just slid on. <laughs> gross. And it's, it's gross. gross. <laughs> Go back to your witch mom. Ugh. Yeah, really. I don't know. <laughs> okay, then. 
Um, yeah, but yeah, but so yeah. that that is Charlie. And again, if you are finding uh, issues looking up Charlie, you can also look up Slimy Slim and the Twilight Dragon of Payette Lake. Um, so so funny enough, um, the cryptid that I chose uh, for my cryptid uh, also is an aquatic cryptid. <laughs> that is funny. Is it? I mean, I, that sounds like a courtesy, courtesy laugh, like <laughs> an over-the-top courtesy laugh. <laughs> I'm seriously laughing right now. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so so this is uh, the Altamahaha. Yeah. Again, God bless you. Yeah, um, and this is from Georgia in the United States. Hot Georgia. Georgia. Mm-hmm. 1969 is when <laughs> is when it was first reported. Uh, so it's 69 a couple times. <laughs> you gotta stop. 1969. You gotta, you gotta stop. You JD. gotta stop. All right. Uh, a life size model of a juvenile Altamaha, also known as Alti, uh, in case you don't want to say Altamaha, um, <laughs> is, is on display in the Rock Eagle Natural History Museum in Eatonton, Georgia. Um, another is exhibited at the Darien McIntosh Visitor Center in Darien, Georgia. Um, it basically says, I, this is an eyewitness account. Indigenous people told stories of a giant river monster long before recorded history, but dozens of people have shared stories in the centuries since, including Benny uh, Corsi, a Georgia fisherman. Benny Corsi wasn't headed for church on the Sunday he met the mysterious creature. Maybe if he was going to church. Um, According to the Augusta Chronicle, he and a friend were out to catch a few fish near Baxley, Georgia, on the Altamaha River. They didn't catch a thing, but they did see something amazing. It looked like a big snake, a real whopper, with its head reared out of the water, of course he said in the article. But that wasn't the end of it. The massive creature, roughly 20 feet long, came right to at his favorite boat like it meant business. The gunmetal-colored animal picked up speed, undulating with up-and-down motion like a dolphin, not side-to-side like a fish. The wake it stirred up uh, confirmed it was picking up speed. Coursing his friend braced for impact, expecting the wooden boat to splinter, but the creature suddenly dove underwater, then reappeared on the other side of the boat. There's you know more to say here, but mm-hmm. um, it, it's it, you know so it's really interesting to have like a little depiction here of what an alti puff looks like, and it kind of looks like a scaly um, otter, like river yeah. otter. Is what uh, it looks like. I'm pretty sure that this was the one. It turned out to be a hoax, but this was the one that two year, two I guess three years now, tw- like around 2018, 2019, uh, that they swore that it washed up on the beach. Um, and they found a dead carcass, and so for months people were like, "Oh my God, we found the the creature!" And then it turned out to be just like paper mache, like and like. Oh, a, I remember. Some, I remember seeing that. Something. Oh, uh, oh, here it is. Yeah, it says it uh, turned out to be a stuffed shark and paper mache to fill in all the. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, you spent some time. <laughs> so, so we still believe you, Alti. We know you're there. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, really, it you know, it kind of sounds like, um, kind of like that kind of like uh, otter or mm-hmm. sea lion type, you know that, 
especially the whole diving under the boat and coming back up and that's the way they yeah. swim is kind of mm-hmm. like a dolphin and yeah so, it's like a weird hybrid yeah like an otter and a dolphin or and maybe even like a Loch Ness monster type <laughs> i don't know yeah. pretty interesting the amount of cryptids we have just in the united states oh so, i know uh per state it's insane so uh but yeah thank you josh and uh thank you me thank you jersey devil that nope Shutting right. down. Shutting down. All right, well, let's get to our last segment, our UAP sighting of the week. All right, Josh, what do we have for our unidentified aerial phenomenon sighting of the week? I'm very curious to see what you found this week. Yeah, so this comes from um, Barberville, Barbersville, West Virginia. It's a little bit of an older sighting. It's from December 2019. Um, but I just, again, kind of like how you just randomly pick things in the book. I've gotten mm-hmm. to where I just randomly pick something on MUFON, and this is what I came up with. So, All right. This light was picked up on my dash cam on the way home from work. It first appeared as a small dot of light similar to an aircraft light. Then almost immediately it brightened and grew in size. It appeared to become square rectangular and hovered below a cloud cover. It appeared to be somehow connected to the cloud. It was obviously very large due to the distance up in the sky that it was from me. It was directly in the eastern sky. I would estimate a few miles or more from my location, traveling east on I-64 at the Huntington Mall exit. It lasted about three minutes and drifted right back up into the clouds that it seemed to come from. My first reaction to it was, I wonder if the other driver saw it. Certainly they did. They had to. It was too obvious not to have seen. I also thought to myself that I can't wait to get home and watch the 6 p.m. local news to hear them report on all the people who saw the sighting. I was really amazed and disappointed when that didn't happen. Ain't that a bitch. Like, (laughs) seriously. Like, and that's the thing. So, uh, by the way, I'm actually getting my phone call interview with the uh, MUFON field investigator in Arizona. It's not Shane Hurd. <laughs> uh, but I've got my interview with her tomorrow. Um, and yeah, that's already my thing is I'm going to be like, she was like, well, I didn't see it on the news. I'm like, well, how come I was the only one to see it? You know, like, that's what you always wonder. Cause like that man, like the three lights that I saw that one night driving to my yeah. nephew's house, like that, I didn't see anything in the news about it. And then, so then of course it makes you wonder. It's like, they only want you to see it or just people not saying anything or they just go oh that's an airplane or what so (laughs) i don't know i don't know so yeah i mean yeah it is well and how many people look up and see stuff that they just immediately dismiss as an airplane i I think it takes the right kind of person to look at something right And, you know, like looked, one of the thing my my wife always says to me is, you know, she's like, you always have a story when you come out of like the public restroom or at the store or something. And I'm like, it's because I'm observant. I pay attention to what people yeah. are saying or things that happen. And I, it's like my brain documents that stuff. But not everybody does that. She doesn't pay attention to anything that's not within her immediate bubble. You know, like, right. I'm like, did you not, did you not just see that giant deer run across the road? And she's like, there was a deer. Well, that's like. Um, when so my wife uh, fully trusts my driving but doesn't trust everybody else on the road and so typically if we're going somewhere as a family 
and I'm driving, she's looking at her phone because she's trying to keep her mind off of right. what's that's what, happening. That's what my wife road. does, too. And so, um, so like, yeah, she misses all kinds of stuff. I'm like, hey, did you see that? Nope. No. So, <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah, very, very interesting sighting. Um, always I was, encourage people to. I was trying know, to look and them. see where this is in relation to. Um, Point Pleasant. Uh, yeah, well, in relation to the the uh, injured cold, um, mm, yeah, because you know, West Virginia, it's like up, it's up near the, uh, so so, uh, Barbersville is close to Huntington, West Virginia, which is up around like the Ohio, West Virginia part. So it's probably close. that would be like, close to yeah that. It's area. like it's close to Ashland uh, from yep. the uh, from the Hellier folks. So I think and, what do we what did we say Ashland was like maybe an hour from Point Pleasant. Yeah, so it's Something it's like got to be in that same little area there. So cool. interesting. All right, we are going to take a quick ad break, and then when we come back, we're going to be talking about suggested tools for the ufologist. And by ufologist, I mean me and Josh. <laughs> Make sure to stick around. We'll see you in a few. Hey everybody, Stefan here. This episode is sponsored by the great folks over at Box Mountain. Box Mountain is a subscription box service that has my favorite sub box yet, the Cryptid Crate. You see, Josh got one of these for his birthday, and I was super jealous because it was packed full of merchandise pertaining to cryptids. The box he received first was all about the Flatwoods Monster, which of course is one of our favorites. And it had a t-shirt, a book, a patch, mug, and some awesome stickers. So I checked out the price to get one for myself, and let me tell you, it is well worth the value. These make excellent gifts for yourself or even friends that are cryptid lovers as well. Now, if you use the coupon code FEARSCAPE, you will get 25% off the first month for any new subscription or 10% off individual purchases. So go ahead and head on over to FearscapePodcast.com slash CryptidCrate now and get yourself one today. You've heard us talk about all the amazing books we've been able to listen to on Audible. Everything from fiction to sci-fi to true crime and more. Audible is the leader in the audiobook industry with a library of over 200,000 audiobooks. Start listening now by going to fearscapepodcast.com slash audible. Welcome back. Thank you guys for sticking around after the ad. We are here. Uh, we're going to be talking about suggested tools to use uh, for ufology. So, so to essentially go out there and uh, do some UFO or UAP hunting and uh, the tools. We talked a little bit about this with yep. uh, Shane Hurd, uh, which, again, I want to highly recommend his book. Uh, just go ahead and type in Shane Hurd into Amazon. You'll find it's how to be a... Uh, uh, Field investigator. Field investigator. Thank you. you. My brain yep. died. It just went out the door and died. Now we're going to have to investigate the ghost <laughs> of my brain. Uh, but no, we're not talking about ghosts. We're talking about the tools of ufology. And we don't, you, people don't usually talk about this, no. Josh. That That's one reason I was really excited about this topic is because, good Lord, there's a million podcasts on uh, the tools for ghost hunting. Right. Right. Or even cryptid well, hunting. You know, I, and, and I myself have been uh, on a search lately to try to find 
a good uh, uh, video camera for UFO hunting because because you know um, most cameras don't record uh, in in like low light or no light situations. Right? Do you remember like in like the late nineties, early two thousands? It was like every camcorder had night vision, and then it went away because people were like. Uh, doing it during the daytime and you could see through girls like dresses to see their underwear. Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't recall that. Oh I, man, I, I do. I and that's think... one of the biggest reasons they got rid of them is that like, ev- like people were using it to like see through light colored shirts and stuff. Huh? Yep. Okay. Yep. Old school pervs for the win. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and so we're going to talk, you know, not you now the tools that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, are not necessarily video equipment it's more around um the you think you you think you've seen a ufo you think you've seen a uap um and just like we talked with shane you have to do your uh due diligence to disprove if you can or not necessarily disprove but to account for what you've seen right Mm -hmm. you know you have to be able to say was it an airplane? Was it a satellite? Was it the International Space Station? So on and so forth. And if all those things could be ruled out, uh, then all that's left is an unidentified aerial phenomenon. Right. So we're going to talk through some of the things that you and I use when we have been out in my backyard and when you've been out um, in Arizona and you and you and we've seen things and what we use to kind of uh, account for the known so that whatever's left is the unknown. Right. And I, and I will tell you this. Um, I did uh, think I mentioned this, but I did finally talk to the field investigator here in Arizona about my sighting uh, after Christmas, Marsha Berry. And um, oh boy, she was diligent. I mean, we probably talked on the phone for a solid hour. Um, I mean, she had some good questions, questions that made me think um, and uh, learn how to use descriptive words better uh, and and things like that. Uh, It was very, very interesting. And so right away, like the number one tool that I have realized that goes along with UAP UFO sightings is uh, your eyes and your recollection. <laughs> well, that's what. So, like, one of the things that I've gotten to where I do, and, and you know, because you have been the uh, the recipient of these such things, mm-hmm. is I usually do like uh, at the time of or close to the time of a video log, yeah, of what I saw, and I try to be as descriptive as possible because what I found. And this is, I think, this is true of me and probably true of most, is that uh, we as people are not always the best at gauging distance. No, right? and I, just talking to her, like she was trying to get a better idea of distance and where it was on the horizon. I'm like, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's like if you were to show someone uh, and say, okay, uh, how far do you think it is from the grounds of the top of this tree? You would probably get a varying amount of answers for sure. Probably most of them would be wrong. Usually, um, what so, I try to do is I'm like, "Is it twice of me?" I know I'm six five, so <laughs> yeah. like thir- close to like thirteen feet. Like that's literally well, how I judge things is based on my height. But also, but like even in that situation, 
is the ground sloping up. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. you know, there's there's this there's a lot of different factors to take into play. So so that's what like usually when I when I'm being descriptive around uh, about the placement in the sky, I think about okay, um, around where I live, right? Uh, you've been out there several times. We've gotten like the UPS planes flying over mm-hmm. and different. Uh, different airliners and things like that and then there's been times when like smaller planes like Cessnas and things like that will fly over and then there's even times when helicopters will fly over and they all they all fly at different altitudes and so what mm-hmm. I think about is I say okay was what I saw about in line with like a helicopter like what level a helicopter flies was it in line with like a small aircraft or was it higher up with like right. you know the commercial craft and so, in, in a lot of in a lot of times, you know, they're really high up, like yeah. almost satellite level. So, well, and that was something that Marsha suggested. She was just like, you know, if you ever see anything again, quickly like look around the entire sky to see if you see a plane or a helicopter, so that you could get an idea yeah. um, for height. Like, is it higher than the other uh, aircraft that you see around? You know. Uh, stuff like that and I, I think that's really good as well as your video log as well because you know thinking I always think back to Serial the podcast season one um, uh, they're t- they talk a lot about this you know 20 year old case or whatever and she t- spends an entire episode talking about memory and how you know how memory changes over the time especially when you're influenced by other factors other things uh just this that this that right. and so if you do if something happens and you're able to remember it right away to definitely make an audio log write it down make a video log so that you can go back to that original memory so you can know where the truth sits as opposed to what it possibly has become over time right and in a, and even you know for myself with my eidetic memory i can still go back and really play back the night um to my you know just like i saw it when when it when it was happening mm-hmm. but even for then it's still hard for me to think about okay about where in the sky you know as far as how high it was so it, it's nice to be able to make those recordings or like you said write it down but i mean really i i just like take my phone and do a little quick, you know, selfie video and just say, hey, I just saw this and this is what happened and this is what time of night it was. And it's just a nice little video account. And then, of course, everything that, at least in my case, everything that I record gets backed up to the cloud somewhere. So I can then go back and rewatch and, and replay that information later if I need to. Right. Um, so what other tools? So what are we looking at here, Josh? What, yes. what do we got for if you're if so, you're interested? So this is basically not just if you're into field investigation, you want to go out and look, but uh, also uh, if you've just recently seen something. Yeah, I'd say that. So I've got a folder that I keep um, on my phone. It's called UFO. And this is where I keep all <laughs> these different apps in it. And, uh, you know, back in the summer, I used to have an iPhone and all of these apps were available on the iPhone, too. But I want to start off with the one of my uh, favorites is the ISS Live. Yes. So that's International Space Station Live. Um, and what it so as an app, it does two really, uh, really cool things. It, it probably does some other stuff, but these are the two things that I use it for. One is it tells you where the International Space Station is. So if you just maybe want to go out and look at the International Space Station, like you're not going out to look for UFOs, you just would like to see. International Space Station fly over. This is a nice, good app to see 
A where it is now, and then it'll actually you put in your location, and it'll tell you when you can see it mm-hmm. when it's going to fly by. So, which in and itself is really cool, right? You know, like I remember yeah. catching it when I was a kid, you know, and I just always thought that was so cool. Yeah, um, and it also uh, has a live stream function as well, so you can actually the the mini cameras that are set up. Uh, on the International Space Station, you can watch live streams of them. Now, here's the kicker. <laughs> um, NASA, like back in the mid to, to late 80s, used to live air all of their streaming video. And, and it's crazy to think about the fact that in the late 80s, NASA had streaming video mm-hmm. on the International Space Station. Yeah. But, but, um, but they used to live, you know, live feed. Well, the problem is, is that people kept uh, catching uh, UFO and UAP stuff, mm-hmm. and, and there you was can a, find a lot of those on YouTube. Yeah, and there's a there's a lot of really incredible uh, things that people caught, and so now they actually run it through a time delay, and if they Lame. see something, you know that that might then they'll like switch your like they'll switch to another camera or they'll or they'll pan away and like look somewhere else why why would you do that <laughs> so so if you're ever watching that live stream and you're like oh this is really cool and then all of a sudden the camera pans to completely nonsensical place in the in the sky then that's probably why yeah There's and that that's when general zod and ursa and non flew by all of a sudden yeah exactly <laughs> something <laughs> something happened I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be UFO. I mean, it could have been, you know, military satellite or something. Sure, just yeah, that like, was you know. part of it, too. Yeah, or even seeing, you know, a, a USSR or something or other. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, that, that uh, ISS Live View is a, is a fantastic app uh, for knowing where the Inter- International Space Station is. Um, the next one that I have on my list, which is, equally important is uh, find Starlink. Good Lord gods, yes. <sighs> yes. Please. Please. <laughs> um, please download this app. Well, in, in it, for me, and I know, you know, we saw uh, stuff in that, that time out at the uh, Waverly Park. Mm-hmm. All those, you know, kind of things coming into s- succession. You know, almost like straight in a 90 degree mm-hmm. uh, line with us. And we got on, you know, we hopped online, we posted about it, and people were like, oh, it was Starlink. And so the nice thing about this app is that a lot of people don't realize that there are lots of different Starlink trains. There's not just one Starlink train. And so, and then more are going up. Like, you know, they just put a a bunch more up in space. Yeah. Um, Now, one of the nice things about the more recent launches is that astronomers... Uh, and you know, a- a- amateur astronomers and professional astronomers complained about the night pollution right. that was being generated by the Starlink satellites. And they're like, I think they're like a quarter of the way through what they're going to launch. I mean, at some point in time, between uh, Musk and uh, Jeff Bezos, there's going to be enough um, uh, Star Starlink type satellites in space to blanket the globe in high speed internet. So it doesn't matter if you're you you you're you're on a you're on a, a three hour cruise and you like you're Gilligan? Yeah. And your boat wrecks on a desert deserted island 
and and you've got you know your your skipper and you, you know and the the millionaire and his wife yep. you know and the movie star like you're all stuck there the like how, Marianne, how yeah. the hell are we going to get off this island all somebody has to do is whip out their phone and hook up to the starlink network and call for help so i mean um but one of the things so like the trains six one through six they had their um their solar panels were positioned in such a way that they reflected light back down to earth and a lot i I will say i mean i've seen some of the reported ufo sightings and i'm like that looks a lot like starlink and so Mm -hmm. um it's just one of those things where you just have to check and see if what you're seeing is starlink and so that find starlink app is a really good uh, tool for that not only does it show you where Starlink is in relation to your location, um, it also has the ability for you to go back in time and see yep. where it was when you had your sighting. So then you can quickly rule out was what I was seeing Starlink or right, which is how we were able to rule that out. Yeah, exactly. Yep, because we went um, back and realized it was at a different time. Yep. Um, also, most um, star like I said, after I think it's like train number six. They've adjusted the solar panels so that they won't reflect light back down on Earth. That was the whole point about the you know amateur astronomers complaining. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, train seven in all in all further launches will all be set up so that they don't re- reflect the light. So they will no longer be an option to be confused with a. Uh, a ufo or something right so, so let's hope uh that jeff bezos and amazon follow suit as well yeah um well you know it, it kind of makes me wonder if the amount of all these kind of satellites being launched it seems like we should have some sort of a, a international agreement on um you know kind of like you in certain places in the world you can't have buildings over a certain height because it takes away from the view of the scenery and mm-hmm. and things like that like there, there should be some sort of an agreement that says hey amongst the space faring agencies in the world when we put up a satellite we're gonna set it up so that it doesn't generate uh light pollution if you will in space right agreed um and then the other really nice thing about that um again so these apps are great for two things, right? They're, we're talking about them from a, a UAP, UFO um, perspective, but also if you just want to see Starlink because it's pretty amazing to yeah, see it. especially when it, like, depending A, where you're at, and B, where it sits on the horizon, like, there are videos that I've seen that are mind-blowing because it it just looks so big because it sits kind of low on the horizon. Yep. It's in an area where there's not a lot of light pollution. And so it looks insane. And I want that's what I want to see. I want to see it when it's like that. Well, and I, I've seen some videos of the, there. So there's one train that's really closely grouped together. Um, I mean, that's what it looks like to us. I'm sure in space they're like miles apart, but right. um, but it looks like it's really closely grouped together. And I've seen some videos of them like going across the sky, and it's just crazy looking. It's just like this long succession of like 150 lights moving across. I the know sky. it's like a it's like a satellite funeral procession. <laughs> <laughs> They've all got their little flags sitting on. Top yeah, of it's them. all for like whatever satellite fell back into the earth. <laughs> 
Um, but uh, but yeah, so I mean, it's it's really uh, it's really cool to see if you have an opportunity. And like I said, this this app would allow you to not only see where they were or when you had your sighting, where they are now, but also to project where they might be so that you can go out and take a look. Yeah. Now, generally, when they're seen in the sky, though, they're like seen in like between like the ten and 45 degrees in the sky as far as you know from your position so like if you if you're surrounded by trees you probably won't be able to see them but if you can get up on top of like a hill or something like that where you don't have that tree tree line interrupting your your view of the sky it's a pretty cool sight to see yep it's pretty awesome which is also why we were able to roll it out because not only does it tell you where they are but it tells you where to look in the sky to see them. And it gives you that kind of degree um, with, with, you know, in relative to where you are. And so in our case, they were passing again, like a 90 degree, like directly overhead. Mm -hmm. And so that's also a way we were able to roll it out as being Starlink because none of the trains pass at that angle. So what else do we got? All right. So, Next up on my list is an app called Sky Safari. Now, this used to be only on Apple. Uh, and then a couple of years ago, they worked it out to be on Android as well. Worked it out. Android, has, <laughs> Android, had, work yeah, they, Android doesn't care what kind no. of app you put on. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but um, if you, it's pretty much like if you can get your app on Apple, you could probably put it anywhere else. It's like so. Um, but Sky Safari is, I mean, it, it's basically a, um, it, it's meant for people who just want to go out and look at planets and stars. I mean, it's, it's basically. Yeah, I, a, I absolutely love it. I used to use another program and it was pretty good too, but yeah, you definitely won me over on Sky Safari. So, um, you know, it, it's just, if you want to go out and look like right now and see what planets are out, what stars are out, what, um, constellations kind of look at um what all satellites kind of are out like that's what well, i like about yeah it. so that's that's one of the nice big features about it is so so starlink um app shows you the starlink satellites international space station shows you the international space station but sky safari tells you all of that it tells you every satellite that's in the sky uh at the time that you're looking and not only that but you can if you if you're in the app you can Again, go back to it. You can go back in time. You can go forward in time. Um, and you can look and see where things were, where things are going to be. And and I've actually used it. We I was out with my family one night around a uh, campfire in the backyard. And uh, I saw something. I was like, oh, look at that moving across the sky. And then uh, for to do my due diligence, I checked on the app. Turns out it was a satellite. But I'm, but I'm, I'm glad to know what it is, right? Yep. Because I wouldn't want to claim it to be something uh, only to have somebody come along and say, nope, see, here's where a satellite passed directly overhead of you. So, um, but yeah, we've, we've actually used it before even to go back and look at, you know, times where we saw things to see. Could we have seen, you know, could it have been a star? Could it, could it, because there are some pretty bright stars in the night sky. Um, so depending on where you are and how much of the night sky you can see, uh, could it have been a star? You know, could it have been a planet? Um, could it have been, you know, like the Pleiades or something where it, it looks like it's really big, but really it's just a, a big grouping of stars, you know? So, right. Um, 
one of the also if you do the paid version of the app which i have not but if you do the paid version of the app uh you can actually zoom in and see information about planets and stars uh on the map so if you're you know you want to zoom in and look at uh the surface of mars you can do that based on you know pictures that satellites yeah, have taken or just learn what star yeah. that is that you're looking at you know yeah uh, zoom in on a star yeah, and, and it, I mean, it has uh, quite a significant uh, collection of all the different stars, or let's just call them all the different bodies uh, that are in, you know. All fields. those heavenly bodies. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's also really cool to see the different constellations that are out every night as well and kind of what stars make up those constellations. Yep. And, and if you're if you're kind of a, a mystic, as we tend to sometimes view things, then it's, you know, you might look at it and say, hey, uh, when I saw my UAP, um, it was while Orion was out. And then uh, two nights later, I was out looking at Orion and I saw another UAP. So then maybe there's some kind of a correlation between the UAP and Orion for you or just mm -hmm. in general. So, so yeah. Um, then, so the next two that I use uh, a lot of are, <clears throat> it's an app called Flight Aware. And oh, yes. Another one that I'm like, dear gods, <laughs> yes. Uh, the other one's called Flight Radar. So they're both, um, they are both flight well, the, the last one gives it what it is. They're both they're flight both, risks. They're both, <laughs> yeah, flight risks. They're run away. They're both flight radars um, to show you, you know, what aircraft or what registered aircraft are in the air. And you might say, well, why do you make the distinction of registered aircraft? Well, because military aircraft don't need to register with um, civilian towers all the time. And so if you see something flying over and it's not showing up on the map, it's Changes are it's probably uh, registered with some government agency and they don't have to register with a civilian tower. But <clears throat> I've also seen some things where um, I've questioned what it is. Like it didn't have this the standard, like I couldn't see the standard notification lights or anything like that. Mm. And so even though it looked like it might have been an airplane light, because you know, airplane lights, those front lights are definitely more, I don't know, in <clears throat> incandescent almost. Yeah. In, in the way they shine and a lot of uap and ufo look to be more like led like really white bright right. light and so i've seen some of those before and I've, I've so i've always look at this app and see you know what airplanes or stuff are in my area at this point in time and it has been very helpful again in ruling things out because even though you say well it could be a military like you just said it could be but in my case, the one that I saw a couple of weekends, a couple of weeks ago in the in the sky in the morning, um, most uh, aircraft, even if it's military, don't uh, get brighter and then disappear. Right. So, um, but I mean, it's, it's just the, another way to narrow it down. You know what I mean? Because uh, you know there are a lot of theorists that do believe that UAPs and UFOs are indeed secret military so you know you still may be correct thinking oh well it right. could be military <laughs> but yeah it's a, and, and you i believe you can go back and check certain times as well on these right uh on one of them you can that's I what i thought because i thought we did that yeah. for santosh when he thought he had seen something we were yeah 
look back. One of the two you can. So the reason I have two, though, is because sometimes things show up on one that don't show up on another. Um, so, like, I'll go and check one, and if I don't see anything, then I'll go and check the other, and boom, there it'll be. It'll be some craft that, that for some reason, doesn't show up on the other one. Right. Um, in my opinion, the one called Flight Aware is the better of the two as far as from a user interface perspective. You can also change e- easily change the location. So that night that you told me you saw uh, something kind of off to the side of the mountain, um, right. you know, I went out to your location to see, you know, were there any aircraft flying in the area? Now, Grant, you know, you're close to a military base, mm-hmm. so it's very possible it was military <clears throat> that, you know, what you were seeing. But we also don't know. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's, it's just a really cool little app. And you can actually overlay satellite and stuff like that like i found out that there's a guy that doesn't live too far from me who uh who owns his own helicopter must be nice mm-hmm. so like uh, a couple of nights uh a week like he just buzzes you know he buzzes my house and, <laughs> and i look up here to see where he's going I'm like oh yep he's going back home so like i zoomed in all the way like a google maps type overlay and yep he's got a helipad and a little storage shed to keep his helicopter in and it's like yeah, buddy. So yeah, because uh, yeah, helicopters are are also on that app. Yep. So I'm I'm wondering uh, if drones are going to end up being on those apps. Well, see, I think they would be because you have. Well, commercial drones have to be registered with the FAA. So I would think that they will. Any if it's a commercial drone, it'll have to be. Um, if now. If it's a private, like, you know, you buy a drone on Amazon and you fly it, obviously that won't be on there. Sure. But the, well, that's what I meant were the commercial ones, because I know we yeah. had talked about them a few episodes ago about uh, being able to fly at night and things like that. But, I mean, those, you know, those commercial drones are freaking huge. They're like the size of, like, a Volkswagen Beetle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can understand that needing to be registered, because it, if it runs into <laughs> an airplane, it's going to do some significant damage. Yeah, so. for sure. I mean, I mean it's, hell, a seagull can do some yeah, good damage, you know, I, but yeah, a, I know what you mean. <laughs> a goose, you know, so yeah, but um, so those two apps are pretty cool. Then then the last one I'll say is uh, completely optional. Um, if the first five apps that I've said are for identifying UFOs, then the last one is for potentially uh, attracting UFOs. So makeup, cologne... Um, a thick wallet, right? Is, does a thick is a thick wallet attract people? It, it can, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, he got that money. <laughs> no, he just carries all his receipts. And it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all receipts. <laughs> a spender, not a saver. So, um, so this last app is the CE Five Contact app. Again, very great app. Um, so. If y'all are not aware of CE5, go back and listen to our episode. We talked about the CE5 (laughs) documentary. But basically, you know, Dr. Stephen Greer, his whole thing around, um, his whole basis is is that uh, we're basically being lied to, that the extraterrestrials or alien life are not uh, hostile, but that's what the government is spinning it as. And so he's taking it upon himself and trying to inspire people around the world to go out and initiate contact uh, with these uh, alien extraterrestrial life uh, on behalf of humanity instead of um, 
waiting or expecting the government to do it on behalf of humanity for us. So what this app does is it basically gives you two things. One, it allows you to network with other people who have gotten the app in the area. And then two, it gives you step-by-step instructions on how to make peaceful contact through his CE5 method. Um, and I mean, it's I've used it a couple of times out in the backyard before it got too cold to go out there and do anything with it. But it's pretty, I mean, you basically, you meditate and you focus on, well, first you play these tones, uh, happens to be three tones, if anybody from hell is listening. Um, and uh, you play these tones and it's supposed to somehow through electromagnetic waves or whatever, let these uh, beans and crafts know that you have the intent of making contact. And then you meditate. And when you meditate, you're, you go out mindfully and you seek uh, entities out in space. Um, and then you basically show them where you are in relation to the galaxy, the solar system, uh, within the solar system on earth and then where on earth so on and so forth all the way down to where you're sitting then you tell them again kind of in this meditation what type of equipment you're going to be using to to interact with them and then you just basically wait and then they show up now in the case of when i did it out in my backyard with my brother um we didn't get any uh visual contact but we both got some kind of weird uh, mental stuff going on which I think I've talked about on the show before mm-hmm. during Creepy Ketchup yep. um, but you know I, I would say that Stefan you know you and I were doing this kind of CE5 stuff back before we knew it was a method yeah we were way cooler yeah. uh, you know we were doing something before it got cool yeah um, but I mean in, in so we, when we've obviously had some amazing sightings in the backyard so. for sure um but uh, so that's my my five or I guess six if you count the CE five apps that I use. And then the last couple of things that I'd like to talk about is actual equipment. Okay. Um, so I know that one of the th- uh, so one of the things that you and I have both used that we've we've cautioned heavily. And so I'll put a caution caution. But that is a green laser pointer, a nice high high power green laser pointer. Um, it comes in handy for, for two things. One, um, if you're with other people and you think you saw something in a given area, because you can see the beam of a green laser pointer, you can show them where in the sky you thought you saw something. And so then they can start looking in that part of the sky. And the second one is, is if you are sure, if you see something and you are sure it is not an airplane or a helicopter, um, you can use it to signal that thing. And so we've done that a couple of times and gotten responses back. Um, and that's one of the things that a lot of these, uh, a lot of UAP and UFO uh, sighting individuals will say is that when they signal these craft, they respond. Yeah. They, especially the CE5 folks, Greer and them, they use those and have used those for quite some time. Yeah. Now, according to a lot of other reports, too, you can use anything like a flashlight. You can blink a flashlight at them. Um, I just like the idea of a laser pointer because I can see the beam, and so I know that I'm getting it close to wherever I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. With a flashlight, I can point it in that general direction, but I really don't know <laughs> you know, if it's getting 
close to where I where I've seen stuff at. Right, and we know that that laser beam is shooting through space, whereas the flashlight it's gonna dissipate. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, now, one of the really cool things that uh, I also got, I have a red laser pointer and then like a blue one, and the blue one is uh, is like a, a black light type. Yeah. Uh, it is what it kind of shows yeah, off. I have one of those as well. It's uh, the, the red is not very functional because you see the end of the dot, but you can't see the, the path that it takes. The blue one, though, you can't see it a little bit. And then, like I said, it's just really cool that it kind of shows off that black light kind of appearance. And so it makes me wonder if, you know, if different color light would have a different effect or different result. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can get these super cheap on Amazon, super cheap. Yeah. on. I got mine on Wish.com for like a dollar free shipping, and it's bomb diggity. I got, uh, so the three that I have, I got them on eBay for $13 yeah. for all three of them. So, I mean, it wasn't, they used to be, you want to try to look for uh, quote unquote high power, but um, they take like AAA or AA batteries. It's not like mm-hmm. you're you know, going out and buying a stick of plutonium to, to power your laser. Yeah, yeah. That's why I said I got mine on Wish, and it, it's just yeah. as high-powered as yours. Um, and then uh, the last piece of equipment, and this is one that I'm still I, – I well, we, wanted to, we did want to say real quick, though, the warning, don't forget, is please yeah. do, do not, not. Sh- like shine this directly at the object. Because yeah. just in case it is some sort of military craft or some sort of plane or helicopter, you could potentially blind someone. Um, yeah. Among other things, it can mess them up. So even with that, we tend to like circle around it or right. flash near it. Even then, we don't try to flash the light directly on right. the light we see. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So don't. And, and the last thing you want to have happen is for the federal government to show up at your house because you're shining. Yeah, and there are stories of that happening, so be very, very cautious. Um, And then the last piece of one, and this is when I started the the show kind of talking about, and I am still in search of uh, the best option, is a good night vision or full-spectrum camera. Right. Because, um, you know, most cameras don't film well in low light, no light situations. Like you can't go and take your, your, uh, you know, home movie theater, home movie, home, home movie camera. Your entire movie. <laughs> yeah. You can't take that out there and film the night sky. Cause it's just, it's Man, just I bet not you made. that dude that has a helicopter. I bet you he has a home movie theater. Oh well, yeah. I bet he does. <laughs> I bet he does. Yeah. Um, actually he may not. What if his house is like, tiny and he drives a 1985 right he spent all his money on the helicopter all his money on the helicopter (laughs) (laughs) stuff i would do that's like you know the heavy you you know the people who drive those donk cars you know i'm talking about it's like a 1985 buick skylark but it's got like 25 inch chrome wheels (laughs) right but but anyway so the, uh, I've done quite a bit of research trying to find the best option, and, and it'd be interesting to hear if, if anybody listening um, has something that, that they use for, you know, UAP, UAP UFO night uh, video. <clears throat> but um, there's a really cool, uh, expensive but cool um, camera called the Psionics Aurora 
Sport. And it is a uh, full spectrum camera. And I've seen some amazing video of it being used in very, in very low light situations. And you can see the night sky great. Mm-hmm. My only problem with it is the Sport. Number one is $400. Whew. Yeah. And number two, it only takes video in 720p. That's and so whatever you get is fuzzy and pixelated, mm. which ain't convincing nobody. <laughs> I'm just like, come on, Apple. Come on, Android. Why ain't y'all got night vision and full spectrum on these suckers yet? I can I can zoom a hundred times to the moon, but I can't right. night vision yet or full spectrum <laughs> or, or any of that. Well, you can go out and buy the full spectrum app for your phone. Oh, yeah. All it does is just change the change screen the, pink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same with the night vision app. Yeah. Um, but so what I'm looking into now, and I, and I just I just picked up a cheap um, uh, action camera. So like a GoPro, but it's like a knockoff GoPro. Mm-hmm. It was like $35 on Amazon. Are you finding them Keith specials? Yeah, well, so here's what I'm going to do. It's not a full <laughs> spectrum camera. But um, I watched a couple of videos on YouTube from a few years ago. And what makes a camera not full spectrum is that it has a lens on the back of it that blocks out uh, ultraviolet and IR light. It has a little piece of glass on the mm-hmm. back of the lens that blocks that stuff out. So I'm going to modify this camera to remove that piece of glass, thus making it a full spectrum camera. And see if that works. Uh, if that because, works, I'm gonna need you to do that to the 360 frame <laughs> as well, because that would be sweet. Because um, the uh, uh, what was it? The uh, Ghost Stop is a is a company that sells uh, full spectrum action cameras, and I guarantee you that's all they're doing Probably. is getting a cheap action camera, removing that piece of glass. Slapping it in a ghost stop box and selling it for a hundred and eighty dollars. So what you're saying is, is you figured out a way to make Fearscape some more money <laughs> if this works. <laughs> if this works. So, um, but yeah, so this one I picked up is uh, it shoots in 4K at 30 frames or yeah, 30 frames per second, or 100 and, uh, or 1080p at 60 frames per second. And uh, 20 megapixel cameras and or 20 megapixel picture, cam, uh, pictures. Mr. Mix the Plick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to try to modify it and uh, hopefully it'll work and we'll see where that goes. Very, but, very cool, man. Make sure you do a, um, a paranormal uh, tech pick, yeah, uh, video to. on that because uh, personally, I just like to watch that and see the progress. <laughs> I know you're going to share it with me, but I think that would make a great episode of that. Yeah, I was planning on it. So, but yeah, I mean, so either the four hundred dollar, uh, uh, you know, Psionics Aurora Sport, or potentially a uh, fifty dollar uh, action camera. Now, you know, probably the lens in the in the Psionics Aurora might be a little bit better, but you know, it's four K versus seven twenty. So, you know, you pick pick your pick your preference. Very cool. So, that is, uh, I think probably rounds out the whole idea of um, if you see a UAP UFO how to signal it don't shine your green laser pointer aircraft I'll say it again Um, how to um, track it how to potentially how to capture it if you've got a camera and then how to validate if what you saw was in fact a UAP or a UFO 
Yep. The only thing that I'll add to that, Josh, is to uh, after the fact, you know, with the, within that week, two weeks, you know, check the MUFON database, check the New Fork database to see if anyone else saw something similar around the same time, especially if it's in the same area. Those are good things. And MUFON, New Fork, I'm going to need y'all to get some apps like soon. Like y'all need. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, and that's the last little piece that I'll say. And this is not really around detecting or, or validating, but if if you're comfortable enough to share your sighting on Facebook, go report it to MUFON. Yes. Because I'll tell you, talking to Marsha, like, she was very, very knowledgeable and was very like, okay, what type was this? Okay, well, this sounds like this type and this. And so she is, they're there to also provide you with information if you're a noob, you know, or just, you know, you don't really know that there are all these types of aircraft that have been reported. And she could say, hey, you know, this type of uh, craft hasn't been reported since 1998 you know and and just things like that so they are very very knowledgeable um and usually if you report something somebody usually wants to try to get in touch with you to try to talk about it and and hear about it and try to validate it with you so yep so if you're uh if you know hopefully this stuff has helped you all and, and you're interested and and like i said drop us some comments uh on facebook or something and, and you know let us know if you use different tools uh to go out there and look do you have a do you have a, a, a nice a camera that you use to, to capture things at night that maybe we didn't talk about or I didn't know about? Um, I'm always open to hear it because I am I am slowly building my, you know, it's funny that, you know, like Keith Age has his kit for ghost hunting. Well, I'm building my kit for UAP hunting. So, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, just a reminder, man, check out Shane Hurd's book on Amazon. You can even get it on Kindle. And if you got Kindle Unlimited, it's free right now. Um, But it's Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, a beginner's guide to researching UFOs. Because something else he gets into that we haven't touched on is if you see something land, (laughs) like he has tools and and techniques of things to do then, you know, take pictures of impressions or anything like that. So there's, it, it even goes into even more depth than what we talked about. I mean, it talks about contactees and, and everything like yep. that. So um, it's a really great book. Um, and, and that's not the only book that's out there, but you know, there, there, it, it just, it talks about all that other stuff. So, well, and it's, it's nice because you know that Shane has been doing mm-hmm. the uh, field investigations for a long time. And so it's nice to, to have a book, from a person who's been doing the job yeah um, right so it would be like if i try to write a book about uh what it's like to be an airline pilot and i've never flown a plane before right right you know right exactly yeah and you know and we've and and this goes for every field there are books out there you know we've got ken gerhardt's books when it talks in terms of cryptids and and tools you should use when you're searching for cryptids and then you know your ghost hunting books and and all of that you know do your research it helps i mean it's helped us big time you know our doing research and discovering these flight tracker apps and the iss apps and all of the stuff to you know make us not see every single light in the sky as a uap right exactly so that and it, it it ends up making them more special when we right. ruled out everything. Well, and it <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm sure it was nice to be able to talk to uh, Marsha. Yep, and let her know, you know, and, and I'm sure that she was probably even relieved a little bit to hear you. You know, if you said, "Well, I checked the Sky Safari app, and there was no satellites in the yep. area, and I checked, you know, Flight Aware, and there was no planes in the area," and, you know, that it probably helps her 
make her case stronger. Yeah. And she was excited because what I saw, she had never heard of, of a UAP doing that ever. And so she was very, very excited because this was something new. Um, and I had no idea that was new. I just assumed that was, you know, I, I at this point, I assume everybody's seen something similar. And so that was really remarkable for me to learn. So uh, very, very cool. Well, Josh, let's go ahead and get out of here. We'll get into our listener story and all that stuff and say our goodbyes. But yeah, like we said, you know, hit us up if you if you've got some tools that you use that we didn't talk about or some other great apps we're, we're always open to to know yep. so you know if you're on our facebook page or or our, uh group or anything like that hit us up we want to know yep uh so we need to get out of here but we need to get to our listener story first um and so this week uh our listener story actually comes from someone who sent in a listener story way back in the day um this was our good buddy that had the gin sighting uh that came onto our show um this was his friend joe alvarez um and i believe joe was also in the military as well as stan was so um but yeah, Joe has sent us one or two stories in the past, and it's been a minute since we've heard from him. Uh, but yeah, he sent me this story, and I was like, all right, I'm going to share it. So uh, yeah, this story comes from uh, Joe Alvarez, and I believe, yeah, I believe he's also out here in Arizona. I think he still lives in Tucson, so. Hey, guys. It's been a while, but uh, I was listening to your last podcast, and something your sister Trisha said reminded me of another story. When I was about seven or eight, I was woken up one night while sleeping in my sister's room at the old house with the red walls. I remember waking up and seeing the Virgin Mary in a two-by-two frame like, like some sort of Warhol painting. She was holographic for some reason, but she kept saying, It's okay. He's going to be okay. And I remember when I woke up, I was startled, but I wasn't scared. A few minutes later, after I had started to fall back asleep, I heard the phone ring. Now, mind you, this is like 3 a.m., and I heard my stepmother start to wail. My dad runs in and wakes us up. Apparently, her brother, which was my favorite of her brothers at the time, had been drinking with friends and was thrown from the car when it rolled. He was killed instantly. She was his next of kin, so she was notified first. But I'll never forget the peace I felt when I saw the holographic Mary. But I've never told my family what I'd seen. It's also very interesting to note that while my sister and I did try to go to church, our family was not religious at all. Oh, thank you, Joe. That reminds me of my story when I was a kid when I saw my Aunt Kathy because I thought she was like you know a a, like a guardian angel or whatever because that's what sister mary patrick and so because my memory had tied those two things together guardian angel and the nun sister mary patrick for a long time my memory of it was this virgin mary uh image is how i kind of Mm. remembered it for a very long time until i got a little older and was able to kind of track down the the proper memory (laughs) yeah that's, that's really that's really neat yep uh, thank you, Joe, for still listening, man. We love that. Uh, yeah. love, we love you and Steven Stanick, man. We hope you guys are doing well. Uh, really appreciate you listening and sharing that story. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Uh, but Josh, your brow is looking. It's on fleek. <laughs> it's on fleek. 
Well, you know, I plucked it. I plucked it today. I know. I know. I, I saw you do it in the webcam. So, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> anyways, uh, we're going to get out of here. Make sure to check out fearscapepodcast.com and fearscapemedia.com for all of your podcast needs. Check out our YouTube channel. Uh, we, we finally hit over a thousand subscribers on YouTube. Thank you guys so yep. much. Like you have no idea how much that means to us and what that's going to do for us in the future. Uh, keep sharing, keep loving, keep plugging and get out there, review the show, share the show. Cause that's all Josh wants. That's all he wants. That's why he plucks his brow for you. That's right. So well, and I, I'm keeping, I'm keeping what I pluck too, so I can use them <laughs> for spells later. <laughs> that's so weird. Um, <laughs> all right. We're going to get out of here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This has been Stefan and I will catch you in the ether. No, I'll catch you on the flip side. This has been Josh. The truth is now. Boom! And remember, folks, hold those blankets extra tight because things tend to get spooky when you're listening to Fearscape. Good night, everybody. Good night. We hope you have enjoyed this guidepost on the road of high strangeness with us. And we thank you, as always, for listening and joining our caravan to the weird and unknown. Please consider supporting us as we continue our journey to find the answers we all seek. Fearscapepodcast.com forward slash support.